0: Music Week makes its in-person comeback June 11th to 16th in Toronto as the gathering that brings music, business, and broadcast together marks its 40th anniversary this year, albeit with a pared-down format as live music and non-essential travel just start to make their return after a devastating two years. We're joined on Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, by CMW President Neil Dixon and CEO Dania Dixon to talk about what attendees can expect from the Festival, Music Summit, and Radioactive Conference, as well as leveraging pandemic lessons for the future.
1: Hi, I'm Neil Dixon. I'm uh, president of Canadian Music Week. This year I'm celebrating my 40th anniversary of starting Canadian Music Week, so... Been a musician, a producer, a record company owner, agent, a manager, promoter, and pretty much done everything you can in this sort of the music realm. And we started 40 years ago. We started Canadian Music Week because there was a need, there was a void. There wasn't many major conferences in the world, and certainly Canada was missing one. So we decided that we would get into that space, but. Also, at the time we got into that space, um, the record was a partner of ours and the record was the original broadcast dialogue. It was a trade paper for radio, really, radio and records, I guess. And we uh, basically had what I would say was a 50-50 conference back then. It was partially radio and partially the music industry. And it was small enough back then that everybody was in the same community and uh, it felt it felt more like a community. <clears throat> Over the years it's grown each area and still you know radio needs music and the music industry uh, now has other methods of uh, getting their product to their to their end user, but they still value radio a lot. So we still are running what I would say is a variation of what we we didn't before. So we're trying to reinvent the radio component, and we're doing some work with uh, the folks in Europe at Radio Days Europe, and they're uh, helping us get more international people to come. Unfortunately, we picked a bad time to do it, and a pandemic, so we didn't do anything in radio. We haven't for, for three years, but but we're back, and we're uh, we're quite excited about excited about it as it's going to be the sort of our first in-person event. We did a, a virtual music event last year which was very successful but successful on a virtual level is is not the same as uh, in person certainly not monetarily i mean it had an equal number of people and maybe more on the festival side because we had viewers from around the world but it's not quite the same as uh being at the bar at six o'clock and, and drinking with everybody you've met during the day so so we missed that and it's back so We're we're really looking forward
2: to it. I'm Dania Dixon, CEO for Canadian Music Week, and Neil is my father, hence the, the same last name. So I actually started in the industry probably about 12 or 13 years ago, something completely opposite of what I was going to school for at the time. So I went to university for criminology. And then I applied to law school. So I was doing part-time work at CMW uh, in the summers when I was in university and then part-time came became full-time and I worked my way up. So I started just doing the registration and travel accommodations and programming and uh, CEO now for CMW and not doing law. So again, completely different from what I thought I was going to be getting into. And I uh, haven't looked back since. So Neil kind of gave you the lay of the land, but that's where I started. However, I have been around the industry since I was a little girl. So I've kind of seen the in and outs and, and where it started. So it's exciting to see how much it's grown over the years.
0: So let's talk about the 40th anniversary. Do you want to get into the evolution of Canadian Music Week over the years?
1: We're celebrating 40 years. It's not a retrospective. The festival will have some some classic nostalgia acts that have been with us over the years. I mean, we've discovered a lot of bands whatnot, but it's still about new music. We've always been there for emerging artists and even uh, people in the industry. If you ask on the first day of the first session, uh, how many people have, is this your first time? A lot of hands go up. So... It's still a, a schooling for the future industry. I mean, that's as well as musicians. So it's quite exciting. And and, and we get a kick out of that. And I think that's, that's sort of part of the pleasure we get in doing the event is working with young people and watching you know people grow and uh, careers and companies develop. We're actually looking forward more than we're looking back at this event. Yeah, I guess there'll be some... Uh, throwback type stuff in there but not a lot right we're yeah we're interested in where we're going I think everybody else at series is too
0: well CMW is going ahead in person the event is going to be on a bit of a smaller scale can you talk about that
1: yeah it's it's gonna be a bit of a small scale one out of Sort of caution and choice, but two out of circumstance. We were going to be uh, coming back. When you look at this pandemic, it looked like it was going to be over, then it's not going to be over, it's going to be over, it's not going to be over. And everybody said, oh, 2022, it's, it's over. You know what I mean? And so we booked uh, April 2022, way back. This was going to be the big comeback. And then um, in December, Om- Omicron hit. And everybody freaked out. I mean, it was on the news every two minutes. So just like everybody else, we got a little nervous and thought, uh-oh, uh, we're not going to be able to uh, come back in person if this thing's still wandering around. Now, we didn't know at that time that it was going to be less, you know, lethal. So we made the decision, okay, we can't, we'll have to move this back to the summer. So that was a, that was a plan. All of a sudden, Meet em, which has been around even longer than us, they've been around 60 years or so, they canceled completely. They've shut down the doors permanently. And that that event was in June. So we thought, okay, let's get into June. That first week in June, which was their spot, because uh, on the World horizon, there's a lot of different events happening in different countries. Living here in Canada, you might not realize it, but for anybody that travels around and attends some of these international events, it is very competitive. So you gotta find a spot and stay in it or lose it. That's sort of what happened. So so we jumped into June, except the hotel that we booked in April wouldn't let us out of the contract. (laughs) And everybody that had a conference in the spring of 2022, thinking like we were thinking that the, the pandemic would be over, also started canceling and moving their events back. So it was just about impossible to find hotel space in June of 2022. Yeah, so when we when we couldn't get our deposit back, we said, I'll prepay 2023. At least we know where we're going to be in 2023. So we did that. So we can announce over at the Harbor Castle in 2023. So it's nice to know where you're going in a year's time. But it was very difficult. And we managed to get into a smaller hotel, but still very nice the Intercontinental on Front Street next to the MTCC Center. And curiously enough, we'd been there 30 years ago, but we had grown a lot in those years. So so it's kind of like we're going back a little nostalgia, but at the same time, the accommodations are beautiful, but the capacities are not the same. So we also figured. International travel, certainly from Asia, because we're dealing with Japan and Singapore this year, because of, that those are the two sp- spotlight and focus countries this year. And uh, Japan is just getting over a lot of their pandemic uh, lockdowns, and the same with Asia and China. So we we figured international travel may not be back, so we we decided, okay, we'll take the smaller spot and. Pair it down to work with what we got. So we still have the length of the the event. It's a two-day radio conference and a three-day music conference. They overlap on one day, but not really because radio, their steering committee decided that they wanted to do a hybrid conference because again, non-essential travel wasn't necessarily gonna be back in June. So we're doing one day live radio. It's going to be recorded played back the next day with another, I don't know, 16 pre-recorded international panels, and it'll be on demand. So for all the radio stations who can't make it to Toronto, which I know a lot of it'll be many because uh, they've got travel restrictions still, they'll be able to watch it on demand. So that'll be up for at least three months minimum.
0: Your awards program is also going to take a different shape this year.
1: Yeah, it is. That has been in the cards for a bit. But again, uh, COVID sort of speeded along. I mean, the last show had a 1,000 people at it. And it was kind of off the hook. And it was off the hook because everybody was either high or drinking a lot. <laughs> That's all I can say. So they, they basically... And and quite frankly, it's been a a very difficult to put that many people in one room. And they're from different parts of the industry. People are interested in their own careers and their own awards and their own sort of circle of contacts, not so much with other people. So you had half the room paying attention and half the room not. So this year we decided, okay, we're going to break the... uh, that show down into its parts and we're going to have different sections of the industry that might appreciate being together having an award show so this year there's there's three award shows this year that we're doing and unfortunately radio is not one of them there will be some radio awards given out but because again we don't have the numbers we would hope to have those will be sort of sort of the bigger awards and they'll be handed out at lunch but they won't be uh there won't be a an award show per se. The other award shows, we try to, in 2018, we tried a thing called the Sync Awards with the Music Supervisors Guild. They cross over into broadcast because, you know, every television show, every movie, every commercial on TV, even on radio, they all have music. That's what that's all about. But that also covers major labels and and the indie labels. And that also covers publishers. Then it also c- covers songwriters and creators. So it's quite a group of people that have very similar interests that they can celebrate and get behind. So that show is going to be on Thursday night, and, and it's going to be t- between uh, five and seven. There'll be sort of cocktails and hors d'oeuvres, but there won't be any substantial food because people, when they get into town, usually plan dinners and uh, and then go to clubs right after. So We've sort of put that in at the end of the day so um, nobody misses anything or we don't compete with anything important. Same time of day, the, uh, the following day is the live music industry awards. Of course, there was no live music industry for two and a half years. So a lot of the awards that are in that show are morphing into some of the things that people had to pivot to. So there'll be a lot of recognition of what the industry did in those two and a half years to stay alive, to retool their business, to invent a new business, to pivot to virtual. I mean, there was so much going on with streaming, live streaming, and that sort of thing. That covers musicians, promoters, agents, festivals, managers, you name it. Anything that crosses into the live business that That show would recognize, and that'll happen on a Friday night, Uh, Julie Black's the host of that show, and then uh, Saturday night is the Indie Awards, and the Indie Awards is specifically to to recognize Canadians' independent music industry, and I can't even remember what year it is, Uh, 20 years, I'm not sure. 21st, 21st. 21st year. So, You can imagine there's been some big success stories of the 21 years. So they they all come through that award show because everybody has to start somewhere and they usually start as an indie. So it's kind of exciting to see the next generation of superstars in their infancy.
0: Right. I want to get Dania in here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's planned for the, the conferences on both the music industry side and for radioactive, the future of audio.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with just the music summit and then I'll delve into radio. So, what we've done this year is divide the various sectors of the industry into tracks. So, the first day we'll look at everything from, you know, social and music tech, streaming, AR, VR that kind of thing. And then we'll dive into our global creator summit, which looks at publishing licensing, songwriting. Um, what Neil was touching upon earlier, our music supervisors. So looking at uh, music placement in film and games and TV and advertising. And then the last day is our live touring summit. So that's when we usually have our producers panel and our agents panel and our managers panel and our, our festival panel, and the list goes on. But it'll, it'll take on a, a different kind of, I guess, vibe this year because we're going to look at recovery in the live music space. And then going into radio, we're going to be looking at podcasting, which has been huge over the past couple of years. Traditional digital, a bunch of keynotes are coming in. We have James Cridland and Caroline Beasley, Fred Jacobs, some really top names in the, the radio sector. Um, We're going to be looking at value in a data-driven digital world. The agenda is jam-packed. So we actually just sent out our press release a couple of days ago. So you can see the full lineup for both the in-person sessions and the virtual sessions online on Radioactive. And basically the, the theme is the future of radio, the future of audio.
0: A lot has happened since you had an in-person radioactive over the last three years, and you've already touched on the accelerated move to embrace these digital platforms. But how much of that influenced your programming lineup on both sides of the conference this year?
2: Well, a lot has changed in the last couple of years. I mean we had to pivot to kind of a a virtual reality last year for our conference. And that gave us some expertise in the space. So it's, it's changed the the dynamics just in terms of, well, for both artists and for people in the industry. And that's kind of what the discussions are going to be about in the overall programming, how we've pivoted, what we're doing now, how we recover and how we move forward. So, I mean, COVID had definitely brought some challenges to the industry and it decimated other sectors, but it's taught us a lot as well. So we're going to use those, you know, those learnings and use those for our advantage and add those things to our toolkit.
0: The music festival element of CMW traditionally spanned about 30 different venues. How is that part of the event coming together?
1: Again, there's some challenges there because a lot of our venues got lost in the transition, I guess. And they're coming back slowly. Now they're back open again fully. But it's probably been the the most challenged of all industries because they were just they were forced to shut. So as many businesses were, but in particular, you know, they were first to close and last to open. So we lost a number of venues. Again, the touring plans has been pushed back international tours and whatnot. So again, it's going to be a smaller festival. It'll be a lot more domestic than it's been in the past. It's going to be still a cross-section of some classic throwback acts and new music. So it'll still be a full fun festival. It'll still run the five days. It'll be in the downtown core.
0: Are you able to drop a few names? And and how many venues are we talking about? Like maybe
1: 10? We're programming at least 10 venues for sure. But no, there'll be more than that. And a lot of our acts, like I say, are applicant acts. In other words, you don't have to have a hit record to get into the festival. You just need to be good. So they get juried. And if they make the grade, then... Uh, then they're in there there's not going to be as many marquee acts either so that's i mean that's another thing it's 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 going to be a lot more um beginning and
0: uh, mm-hmm. medium
1: level acts
0: i honestly think people just want to get out and see live music again mm-hmm.
1: well they, they definitely do they, they definitely do so yeah so that uh i think the festival will be fun it'll be more like it was you know 40 years ago <laughs>
0: So last year, Neil, when we talked, when you were preparing for the virtual event, there were elements of that that really proved useful, especially to the artists, um, both from a discovery perspective with bands able to be featured in live performance up on the site. Are you retaining any of those virtual elements that that you plan to carry over this year?
1: Yes, so... Any band that applies, um, this year we asked that they would supply us with a live performance video as opposed to a you know, concept video. And all those performances will be online and all those bands will have EPKs online. So even bands that get accepted to the festival and can't make it here will be online. So the festival probably virtually will be bigger than the, the live festival. Again, those were up all year. So people could reference those, play those songs back, play those performances back, um, send links to business people or their fans or whatever. So the the, the amount of business that was done because of virtual was a lot higher because it's quite often you go to a nightclub. You don't even know who's on the stage. You come in halfway through the set and they're off and you go, well, they were great, but who were they? I mean, now that stuff lives, will live on. The site, and it'll have contact information how to get a hold of their agent, their manager, their publicist, their record label, etc. That's again stimulates business because you, you've got the tools that you need. After the fact, as opposed to uh, the usual hangover. Yeah,
2: and you can't uh, be in ten places at once. So when you have all those showcases kind of going on at the same time throughout that week, this helps because you can go back in time. You can see that one band that you missed because you you had the dinner, you had to see another showcase or whatever it is. So it's it's good in that sense. You can. I mean, you don't have to cram everything into your three or four day schedule. Now you can kind of watch it back at your leisure as well.
0: Yeah, that was always a challenge. I understand you have a number of 40th anniversary live concert events that you're going to stage in multiple cities to mark CMW's milestone.
1: Yeah, that's kind of exciting, too. And we're, we're when we were talking with the industry that, you know, the, the venues, they needed the shows early in this sort of recovery Time period. So we decided to do three concerts. We'd do more if we could, but we're doing uh, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. So they're coming up very quickly. First one is in Toronto on the 23rd next week. That's already sold out. That's the band Pup. The next show is Vancouver on the 25th. And that is a brand new artist. And she's sort of the darling of, you know, YouTube and TikTok. Her name is Jessia. She had a very big radio song too called i'm not pretty so she's headlining the show and on the the undercard is the stereos who've had quite a number of radio hits and elijah woods who was uh, on that show the launch if you remember that uh, ctv show a few years ago so that's the show in uh, van and then in uh, uh, montreal we have uh, at club soda we have Marianne's trench And that's on the 31st of March. And that show has also got support act Fifi Dobson. So she's back with a new product as well. And um, I think she's getting some radio play on that. So it's great to have Fifi back as well.
0: I want to give Dania the last word. Sure. Do you
2: have any thoughts that you want to close on? I'm just excited to get back there in person and back to live. I mean, it's been a two-year hiatus where... Excited to get out there to network to do business and we welcome everybody to join us. So we're just really excited to get back and uh see everybody on stage.
1: Who's not wanting to get back to uh some free hugs? And I'm giving those out by the way.
0: <laughs> I'm looking very forward to seeing you both in real life in Toronto in June.
1: Yeah, we, yeah we're real
2: life and in person. That'll exactly.
0: be Exactly. Nice.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, okay. Connie. Appreciate Thank you it. so much. Broadcast Dialogue is proud to be the media sponsor for Radioactive, the future of audio. Learn more at cmw.net or broadcastdialogue.com. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Thiessen. To broadcast dialogue. For more information about the podcast, or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud.
1: I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.